Chapter Forty of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefano. Chapter Forty, of a messenger from Chapel is at vault, who waited in the tiled house for Mister Mervyn mervyn was just about this time walking up the steep valley fermit road it was then a lonely track with great bushes and hedgerows overhanging it and as other emotions subsided something of the chill and excitement of solitude stole over him the moon was wading through flecked masses of cloud the breath of night rustled lightly through the bushes and seemed to follow her steps with a strange sort of sigh and a titter he stopped and looked back under the branches of an old thorn and traced against the dark horizon the still darker outline of the ivied church tower of chapel is it and thought of the dead that lay there and of all that those sealed lips might tell and all tales of strange meetings on moors and desolate places with departed spirits flitted across his brain and the melancholy rush of the night air swept close about his ears and he turned and walked more briskly toward his own gloomy quarters passing the churchyard of valley fermit on his right there were plenty of headstones among the docks and nettles some short and some tall some straight and some slanting back and some with a shoulder up and a lonely old ash-tree still and dewy in the midst glimmering cold against the moveless shadows and then at last he sighted the heavy masses of old elm and the pale peeping front of the tiled house through the close and dismal avenue of elm he reached the front of the mansion there was no glimmer of light from the lower windows not even the noiseless flitting of a bat over the dark little courtyard his key let him in he knew that his servants were in bed there was something cynical in his re-raw independence it was unlike what he had been used to and its savagery suited with his bitter and unsociable mood of late but his steps sounding through the hall and the stories about the place of which he was conscious he battled with his disturbed foolish sensations however and though he knew there was a candle burning in his bedroom he turned aside at the foot of the great stair and stumbled and groped his way into the old wainscoted back parlor that looked out through its great bow window upon the haunted orchard and sat down in its dismal solitude he ruminated upon his own hard fate the meanness of mankind the burning wrongs as he felt confident of other times fortune's inexorable persecution of his family and the stygian gulf that deepened between him and the object of his love and his soul darkened with a fierce despair and with unshaped but evil thoughts that invited the tempter the darkness and associations of the place were unwholesome 
and he was about to leave it for the companionship of his candle but that on a sudden he thought he heard a sound nearer than the breeze among the old orchard trees this was the measured breathing of someone in the room he held his own breath while he listened one of the dogs he thought and he called them quietly but no dog came the wind then in the chimney and he got up resolutely designing to open the half-closed shutter he fancied as he did so that he heard the respiration near him and passed close to someone in the dark with an unpleasant expectation he threw back the shutters and unquestionably he did see very unmistakably a dark figure in a chair so dark indeed that he could not discern more of it than the rude but undoubted outline of a human shape and he stood for some seconds holding the open shutter in his hand and looking at it with more of the reality of fear than he had perhaps ever experienced before pale hecate now in the conspiracy as it seemed withdrew on a sudden the pall from before his face and threw her beams full upon the figure a slim tall shape in dark clothing and as it seemed a countenance he had never beheld before black hair pale features with a sinister smiling character and a very blue chin and closed eyes fixed with a strange horror and almost expecting to see it undergo some frightful metamorphosis mervyn stood gazing on the cadaverous intruder hello who's that cried mervyn sternly the figure opened his eyes with a wild stare as if he had not opened them for a hundred years before and rose up with an uncertain motion returning mervyn's gaze as if he did not know where he was who are you repeated mervyn the phantom seemed to recover himself slowly and only said mr mervyn who are you sir cried mervyn again Ezekiel irons he answered irons what are you and what business have you here sir demanded mervyn the clerk of chapel is it he continued quietly and remarkably sternly but a little thickly like a man who had been drinking mervyn now grew angry the clerk of chapel is it here sleeping in my parlor what the devil sir do you mean sleep sir sleep there's them that sleeps with their eyes open sir you know who they may be there's some sleep sound enough like me and you and some that sleepwalkers answered irons and his enigmatical talk somehow subdued mervyn for he said more quietly well what of all this sirrah a message answered irons the man's manner though quiet was dogged and somewhat savage give it me then said mervyn expecting a note and extending his hand I've nothing for your hand, sir. Tis for your ear, said he. From whom, then, and what? 
said mervyn growing impatient again i ask your pardon mr mervyn i have a good deal to do back and forward sometimes early sometimes late in the church chapel is at church all alone sir and i often think of you when i walk over the south side vault what's your message i say sir and who sends it insisted mervyn your father answered irons mervyn looked with a black and wild sort of inquiry on the clerk was he insane or what and seemed to swallow down a sort of horror before his anger rose again you're mistaken my father's dead he said in a fierce but agitated undertone he's dead sir yes said his saturnine visitor with the same faint smile and cynical quietude speak out sirrah whom do you come from the late right honourable the lord viscount anorn he spoke as i have said a little thickly like a man who had drunk his modicum of liquor you've been drinking and you dare to mix my my father's name with your drunken dreams and babble you wretched sot a cloud passed over the moon just then and irons darkened as if about to vanish like an offended apparition but it was only for a minute and he emerged in the returning light and spoke a noggin of whiskey at the salmon house to raise my heart before i came here i'm not drunk that's sure he answered quite unmoved like one speaking to himself and why what can you mean by speaking of him repeated mervyn unaccountably agitated i speak for him sir by your leave suppose he greets you with a message and you don't care to hear it you're mad said mervyn with an icy stare to whom the whole colloquy began to shape itself into a dream belike you're mad sir answered irons in a grim ugly tone but with face unmoved twas not a light matter brought me here a message there well your right honourable father that lies in lead and oak without a name on his coffin lid would have you to know that what he said was as it should be and i can prove it what he said what what is it what can you prove speak out sirrah and his eyes shone white in the moonlight and his hand was advanced toward iron's throat and he looked half beside himself and trembling all over put down your hand or you hear no more from me said irons also a little transformed mervyn silently lowered his hand clenched by his side and with compressed lips nodded an impatient sign to him yes sir he'd have you to understand he never did it and i can prove it but i won't that moment something glittered in mervyn's hand and he strode toward irons overturning a chair with a crash i have you come on and you're a dead man said the clerk in a hoarse voice drawing into the deep darkness toward the door with a dull gleam of a pistol barrel just discernible 
in his extended hand stay don't go cried mervyn in a piercing voice i conjure i implore whatever you are come back see i'm unarmed and he flung his sword back toward the window you young gentlemen are always for drawing upon poor bodies how would it have gone if i had not looked to myself sir and come furnished said irons in his own level tone i don't know i don't care i don't care if i were dead yes yes tis true i almost wish he had shot me mind sir you're on honour said the clerk in his old tone as he glided slowly back his right hand in his coat pocket and his eye with a quiet suspicion fixed upon mervyn and watching his movements i don't know what or who you are but if ever you knew what human feeling is i say if you are anything at all capable of compassion you will kill me at a blow rather than trifle any longer with the terrible hope that has been my torture i believe my insanity all my life well sir said irons mildly and with that serene suspicion of a smile on his face if you wish to talk to me you must take me different for to say truth i was nearer killing you that time than you were aware and all the time i mean you no harm and yet if i thought you were going to say to anybody living zekiel irons the clerk was here on tuesday night i believe i'd shoot you now you wish your visit secret well you have my honour no one living shall hear of it said mervyn go on i've little to say your honour but first do you think your servants heard the noise just now the old woman's deaf and her daughter dare not stir after nightfall you need fear no interruption eh i know the house is haunted they say but dead men tell no tales tis the living i fear i thought it would be darker the clouds broke up strangely tis as much as my life's worth to me to be seen near this tiled house and never you speak to me nor seem to know me when you chance to meet me dear mind sir i'm bad enough myself but there's some that's worse tis agreed there shall be no recognition answered mervyn there's them watching me that can see in the clouds or the running waters what you're thinking of a mile away that can move as soft as ghosts and can gripe as hard as hell when need is so be patient for a bit i gave you the message i tell you tis true and as to my proving it at present i can you see and i can't but the hour is coming only be patient and swear sir upon your soul and honour that you won't let me come to perdition by reason of speaking the truth on my soul and honour i mean it answered mervyn go on nor ever tell high or low rich or poor man woman or child that i came here 
because no matter that i promise too for heaven's sake go on if you please sir no not a word more till the time comes answered irons i'll go as i came and he shoved up the window sash and got out lightly upon the grass and glided away among the gigantic old fruit trees and was lost before a minute perhaps he came intending more he had seemed for a while to have made up his mind mervyn thought to a full disclosure and then he hesitated and on second thoughts drew back barren and tantalizing however as was this strange conference it was yet worth worlds as indicating a quarter from which information might ultimately be hoped for end of chapter forty recording by john brandon